Let's just pray together. Lord, we pray now that you would just open our hearts to your word. And may your written word become the living word. That it would speak to our hearts this morning. And so we pray that we would just know the help of your Holy Spirit. And may your name be honoured and glorified in our midst today. In Jesus' name. Amen. On Palm Sunday in 1865, the American Civil War came to an end. One side marched off in humiliating defeat, while the other side celebrated victory. One general appeared in his military finery, polished boots, sword, whilst the other wore a private's mud-stained uniform and went swordless. Before the week was through, the victorious president would be assassinated on Good Friday. On the original Palm Sunday, the contrast between Jesus' mission, the people's expectation and the disciples' confusion were just as stark as the contrast between Robert E. Lee and Ulysses Grant. And what Christ calls us to do stands in stark contrast to the calling of our culture. Today, Christians around the world are celebrating Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, which we call Palm Sunday, because the crowds welcomed him by spreading palm branches in his path. Many of those who greeted him were convinced he was the Messiah, anointed by God and sent by God to establish his kingdom on earth. A little boy was sick on Palm Sunday and stayed at home from, stayed from, at home from church with his mum. And his father returned from church holding a palm branch. And the little boy was curious and asked, why do you have that palm branch, Dad? You see, when Jesus came into town, everyone waved palm branches to honour him. So he got palm branches today. The little boy replied, wouldn't you know it, the only Sunday I don't go to church Jesus shows up. <laughs> but why did the crowds turn against him? One day the welc- they welcomed him with shouts of Hosanna and a few days later the shouts were crucify him. God's word tells us in all four gospels that Jesus riding into Jerusalem caused a great stir in the city. It must have been a dramatic sight as Jesus approached Jerusalem on a donkey, a sign of humility. The Bible says that the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. But not everyone in Jerusalem welcomed him. The very next verse says that the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? Soon many turned against Jesus and demanded his death. Pilate said, What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Christ? Oh, crucify him, was the shout from the crowd. 
You see, some very disappointed, some were very disappointed because he refused to set up an earthly political kingdom. But Jesus didn't come up to set up a new political system. He came to change our hearts and to save us from our sins by his death on the cross and by his resurrection from the dead. My kingdom, said Jesus, is from another place. It disappointed those who hoped he'd come to to throw out the hated Romans. They may also have disliked the demand from Jesus that they repent of their sins. But where would we have been on that first Palm Sunday? Amongst those who welcomed him, or among the skeptics? You see, the central message of Easter is that God loves us. And because of his death on the cross, we can be forgiven. He came for one reason. And Paul says, Christ died, Peter said, Christ died for sins once for all to bring us to God. May we also welcome him into our lives. But Palm Sunday is a time for us to examine our attitudes towards each other as well as to God. Palm Sunday is about a huge parade coming into town with one main attraction, Jesus Christ. And our attitude toward him makes all the difference in the world as we respond to him. Jesus has less than a week to live and he knows it. He is the long-awaited Messiah. The king that God's people have been waiting for for hundreds of years. And we read in Zechariah about a king who would come into the city riding on a colt. Zechariah predicted it 500 years before Christ was born. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, Shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah is speaking to the nation. He is reassuring the people that God has not forgotten them. And this word reminds those people that God will deliver the nation from the oppressor And for many of them, in this case, they thought it was Rome. But the king they seek will come to them humbly, not on a stallion, but on a slow-moving donkey, the symbol of a king who comes in peace. Jesus' procession into Jerusalem was not the only procession that day. Roman historians tell us that the governor, Pontius Pilate, led a procession into Jerusalem on the same day. He came in with his soldiers, some on horseback, some on foot. Each soldier clad in armour with helmets and sword, and in their hands the centurions carrying a spear. Drummers beating out the march. It was the practice of the governor to be in Jerusalem for religious celebrations. It was the beginning of Passover. And he was aware that this, this festival 
celebrated the liberation of the Jews from another empire, the empire of Egypt. Uprisings were always in the air and Pilate was there to intimidate the people of Jerusalem. The last time there had been an uprising, the Romans, this time before Pilate, had crucified over 2,000 Jews. If Pilate's procession was meant as a show of military might and strength, Jesus' procession was meant to show the opposite. The two processions could not be more different in the messages that they convey. Pilate asserts the power and might of the empire of Rome which crushes all who oppose it. Jesus riding on a young donkey embodies the peace, the shalom that God brings to his people. And those who watch that day will make a choice. They will either serve the God of this world or they will choose to serve the the king of a very different kind of kingdom, the kingdom of God. And many were caught up in Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. But by the end of the week, Jesus will have disappointed the crowd. They will turn on him, even those closest to him. The twelve disciples will either betray him or abandon him in confusion and fear. The time had finally come and Jesus was ready to take the next step. He's riding towards the completion of his calling. And we see in the crowd the true followers of Jesus. Not perfect people, but the committed People committed committed followers who were trying hard to let Jesus rule their lives. To let him be the Lord of their lives. They had an attitude of gratitude and praise. Some had been healed by him and blessed by him. They had his teachings and were grateful and thankful. They were ready to risk all for him. But then in verse 10, there were the confused. Who is this? They'd heard of his miracles and heard about Jesus. But this man, Jesus, didn't seem to be what they were expecting. He was riding on a donkey, not a great white stallion. He was coming in humility. Not as a reigning king as they expected or hoped. They most likely believed he was a great teacher, a prophet, a good man, like many people do today. But their thinking kept them from accepting him as Lord and Saviour. They saw Jesus, but many were, were left unchanged when the parade was over. Their excitement turned to disappointment. How we need to be excited about Jesus. In John chapter 12, even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs we read, in their presence, they still would not believe in him. These people acted like they knew Jesus, but John says many were going through the motions. Shouting Hosanna, shouting praise him. But they were skeptical. Seeing but still not believing. Living life's a their way by their own rules 
wanting to be seen at the party, showing up simply to be seen. Some were placing their faith in Jesus that he would restore the glory of the nation to its splendour when David was king. They wanted to be ruled by a man like David, a man so committed to God that the prophets said that the coming Messiah would sit on the throne of his father David. The Messiah would bring back the glory of Israel, would rid the nation of oppressors, would rule benevolently and would be kind to the common people. And then there were the curious, those who were seeking. Again in John chapter 12 it says, Now the crowd that was with him when he, when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. They wanted to see this man. They'd heard about him and his works, but thank God for the curious. Because it's often curiosity that brings people to Jesus. I remember a chap coming to see me at the vicarage in Castle Church. He phoned me up and came to see me, a young lad. And as he walked through the room, he started to talk. He said, there's got to be more to life than this. He had a good job. And he later became a youth worker and, and was working in, in, in Europe. He became a Christian. But then the opposition, those who were hostile to Jesus and his message, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, the people who lie and manipulate and set traps, they refuse to see, to listen, to be changed. They are there to stop him at all costs, to reject his word, even to the point of killing him. And Jesus had challenged these rulers and they didn't like what they heard. They heard the truth. He undermined their power and their prestige. When he drove, drove the moneylenders out of the temple saying that the religious leaders had made it a den of thieves, he exposed corruption. And when we do that today in our world, we won't be popular. And neither was Jesus. Jesus. Jesus alienated powerful people and you just don't do that if you want to be popular. These people were part of the same system of oppression that Pilate was part of. In the crowd there were those who loved Jesus and those who hated him those committed and those confused those who were indifferent I wonder what our attitude towards him is today a few days after he, he wrote in, in Jesus called his disciples together and shared with them a last meal he would soon be betrayed, rejected, tried, tortured, killed. He went to a cross for them, for us, for the sins of the world. And in sharing that meal, he is telling them and us to remember what he's done.
to search our own attitudes and our hearts. Are we committed? Are we curious? Are we confused? If we'd been in Jerusalem that day, where would we have been in that crowd? Choosing power over love? Choosing the way things are done over the way God intends them to be? Two processions. Two choices. What kind of king do we want? Many had religion. But many missed that personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.